Three, two, one. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul, joined as always by my friend and colleague, Paul Tenorio. Paul, we are feeling much fresher today, I would say, than the last time we recorded our podcast. Uh, looking ahead, we're sitting here recording on Wednesday morning, Qatar time. We just finished rewatching USMNT's 1-1 draw against Wales. We are two days out from the next match against England on Friday. So we're going to give a quick kind of recap, second impressions of the match versus Wales, a few topics that we wanted to hit on, and then we're going to look ahead towards that massive, massive match against England. But first, I think a little recap is in order of our day on Tuesday. We got to be fans, which was really cool, uh, and go to the Mexico versus Poland game. 0-0 draw, not the best match in the world, but Memo Ochoa did his thing, saved a penalty from Robert Lewandowski. Amazing crowd. That was an amazing moment. Just really cool to be there, to experience the World Cup. Uh, and the Mexico fans, as always, showed out in a big, big way. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been to a soccer game as a fan. So that was just fun. Like to a not... decade plus, yeah, apparently. Yeah, I think it's been since like 2006 or something like that. So, um, yeah, it was just Almost cool. Two to, decades. It was cool to just go and like not have an assignment and just kind of enjoy and, you know, I didn't have any Bud Zero, but I, I still I had a good time. You know, that's probably the one thing I didn't check off the list. There was a guy drinking Bud Zero while wearing a giant donkey costume, yes. which was incredible. A real burro. commitment to the a cause burro. there. Um, no, it was it was fun and it was cool just to kind of also I think we got a good taste of the like the experience that fans have in terms of getting to stadiums, getting out of stadiums. You know, there's a, there was a metro station there. There was a cab Actually, stand. We, we, we haven't talked there. about it. What did you think of that experience? It wasn't too bad for me. I mean, it was a it was a really nice night last night. We walked um, about 40 minutes from the Corniche to the stadium and then we yeah. walked it back and I thought it was fine. I mean, I could see all the people going to the Metro. I, it, that did not look like fun. No. We saw a video from our colleague Felipe Cardenas who took the Metro to the stadium to cover the game and he got like stampeded as he was trying to get into the train. That didn't look like a ton of fun, but I no. enjoyed the choice we made. Yeah, I think I think we it. made the right call. We did have the ticketing issue that everyone is having where yes. the app wasn't working and we had to go find the ticket resolution center and all of that. Also once a we bathroom got to the issue, they didn't have bathrooms on the walk there. They didn't have bathrooms that were clearly marked outside of the stadium. Yeah. And that is not ideal. Less than ideal. But, you know, that's something that I would say is not that unusual for stadiums, even in our part of the world, back home. But overall, uh, a very cool experience. And that moment when Memo Ochoa made that save on the penalty kick was a very, very cool, just like live sports, emotional experience. The Mexico anthem also was, was pretty cool. Yeah, you're the anthem way. king right now. I love anthems, man. You're going. You're you're getting you're getting your socials going with your. With yeah, the I think those. I think two of my top tweets of all time. Maybe my two top tweets of all time have been the Mexico and, and Wales anthem videos. And yeah. hopefully another one tonight. Though we won't have a. a I don't yeah. know how many Canadians will be in the stadium tonight. Sam's going to the Canada game, but Oh Canada is a great anthem. So hopefully we a get legendary some song. Uh, I'm think I'm getting I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, Paul. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it's really cool, and I think that's that's kind of the beauty of the World Cup. No matter where it is, is is all these different people from all around the world coming together and really feeling feeling a lot of pride and joy and meaning in in gathering with their people um, and and showing showing themselves to the whole world. I think it's I think it's really cool and a really cool thing at the Mexico match last night paul let's let's wind it back though to monday evening uh 
U.S. 1-1 draw against Wales. Just finished rewatching it. Uh, how have your thoughts changed or calcified after the second viewing? Yeah, I mean, I actually think the second half wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. Um, I felt like the U.S. still created some moments in transition that could have been could have been goals, could have been better moments, but they were they were in the game. It wasn't like they were like chasing the game the whole time in the second no. half. And really for me again, it didn't feel like Wales outside of the two headers that came back to back in the 64th and 65th minutes. I didn't feel like Wales was that dangerous at all watching at it all. back today. So for me, it, you know, I thought that's why I still feel like it was a disappointing draw for the U.S. They had a one nothing lead till the 80th minute. They had multiple chances to go up 2 nothing, both at the end of the first half and in the second half in those transition moments as the game opened up. They weren't able to do it. And then obviously to give up a penalty the way they did was super disappointing. But I thought, you know, look, this, this U.S. team in that game, I thought overall was the better team, like on the overall side of things. Like, I, I don't think it was like it, way better than Wales, mm -hmm. but watching it back, I felt like you could definitely say the U.S. will feel like they should have won that game. Uh, I would agree with that. And, and just to kind of peel back the curtain here a little bit, when you're covering these games as a writer, a lot of times during the match, you're writing a little bit to try and file your story as quickly as possible after the final whistle and after the press conferences and availability. And so both Paul and I, during the second half, were pretty busy writing. Um, and, and so we missed a little bit of, of how things were shaking out. And I think for me anyway, Paul, like my impression of the second half changed quite a bit on the second watch. I thought initially that, that whales were kind of, I think in control is the wrong way to phrase it, but they had sort of tilted the field a little bit and it was definitely different than the first half. Don't get me wrong, bringing Kiefer Moore on, but the influence of having that target striker and the amount of long balls that they played into him and the amount of even breaks or opportunities that they got off of that, it was fewer than I, than I realized, I would say. Um, and I think the U.S., you know, it wasn't as dominant, if you want to call it that. They didn't have as much of the ball. Well, that's what it was. That's but, what it was. It, they went from a first half of constantly yes. being on the ball to a second half where it was way more in Even, transition. Yeah, it was just an open game. It was out there. And the U.S., to your point, you mentioned this, they did have transition opportunities. There's been a lot of discourse about that on the Internet, um, about the failure to take advantage of some of those opportunities. I think we both have some thoughts on that. I'll, I'll kick it to you to start yeah, us off. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I kind of laugh because we hear from fans all the time about how good this national team is, how good these players are, and how Greg Berhalter is uh -oh. holding them back. Are you going to get mad at fans here, Paul? No, it's just like, it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Like, you can't blame the coach for everything. And when we watched these moments back, there were multiple moments where they got into good spots, they were in good positions, and they didn't execute. And, like, I, I go back to, like, I, you know, I, I said this as we were watching the game together, Sam. There's that quote from Thierry Henry where he's talking about his time at Barcelona under Pep Guardiola, and Pep's kind of idea was, like, you get the ball up to the final third of the pitch and then trusts he trusts his team to finish the job in the only area of the field that can't be planned for. Now, 
it's a lot easier to trust to get the job done at Barcelona when you have Thierry yeah, Henry like, and oh, Messi 2009 and Zavibia Barcelona, and all those guys. Yeah. But the idea is, for me, it's similar in that you put the players in a position to to get into those transition moments, to get into the positions that they were, where the transition was was they were in the right spots and then little things were going wrong. Like there was one that springs to mind right away of the attack coming up the left side, Anthony Robinson, Pulisic plays it out wide left to, to Robinson, continues his run. It's a simple cutback pass from Robinson back to Pulisic. Just missed it. Who's open at the top of the box and he just misplays the ball. There's the one that came up the right side where the, there was, I don't remember who crossed it, but it, the cross went all the way across the box to Christian Pulisic. Right in his stride, incredible tackle yeah. from the Welsh defender to, to break that up. I mean, there were moments where Christian Pulisic had chances to turn and run at players and maybe play an early ball that he didn't, or he chose to take the space and then couldn't complete the move. This isn't, and I, and I saw people commenting on Twitter that this is a system problem. What, I, 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 that confuses me so much, the idea that that's a system. It's not, because the, the, the system, quote unquote, which the system, it's, it was an open game and it's transition moments. It's not even really a systemic thing to me. Um, but they were getting, it was, the U.S. was getting into good positions. They just weren't delivering. They weren't executing on the final ball or the final ball before the final ball in a lot of cases. There was one moment that got highlighted a lot where Pulisic received the ball in space right in the middle of the field and chose to drove, drive forward. He had Tim Weah on the outside and he probably, he should have played that ball out to Tim Weah. There was a little bit of context, I think, that the video maybe missed or the clip missed. It wasn't the clip. It was a freeze frame. Yeah. The freeze frame made it look like he had his hips wide open and ready to hit a right-footed pass. That now, was him receiving he the ball. Still should have, he still should have hit it, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, I think for the most part, for me, Paul, Pulisic was not, like, that bad, I didn't think. The final ball was lacking at times. But a lot of this discussion, too, is erasing Wales for me. They had a ton of numbers back. They made it really difficult. They were good at getting back in transition and getting guys into the box, picking up markers. Sorry, we, we've, got some, we've got some construction going on here in Qatar. There is no avoiding this all around Doha. Things are still being built. We're a few days into the World Cup, so just bear with us. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but if you can, apologies. Um, Pulisic, yeah, he, he, he was missing on the final ball a few times. Um, no doubt about it. I th I'm sure he would love to have a few of those opportunities back. But Wales did a good job of closing things down and making it difficult. And, and I think that needs to be brought into this discussion a little bit more than it has been as well. I will say, like, honestly, it, watching that game back again, looking at the influence in the first half and in the second half, like, I think for the most part, like, there were more, more often than not, you got Christian Pulisic in positions where you could get him the ball in good spaces. And, and there were a number of times that they did get him the ball there. Mm -hmm. um, I thought actually in the first half, there were a few times where he got a little bit too crowded by his teammates or by the way Wales was defending. He couldn't really find the ball in the pockets of space um, where, where he wanted to. And um, I thought that that kind of created some issues with the shape on the left side. Yeah. But in the second half, when things started to open up, yeah, he, he was on the ball in space quite a few times, and they just didn't execute as a team like yeah. they should have. Um, the first half, actually, towards the end after the goal, and we were both saying this in the moment, Pulisic was kind of like, "All right, feed me. I'm feeling this." He and, was feeling it, and the U.S. did not do a good enough job of that. Yeah, there was a there was a sequence where, uh, you know, for me, what it was is that Christian Pulisic plays for a team that 
has won a Champions League that is often, a lot of times has been the better team on the field when they're playing, you know, different opponents. And they understand how to, to kind of seize the momentum. And, and they go for and, the jugular. Yeah, they go for the jugular. And after that goal, Pulisic was, you know, at one point waved his arms up at the fans. Like he was fired up, he was ready to go. And he was trying to get more vertical. He wanted to go more direct. And there was a moment um, where he kind of peeled off a back shoulder of a defender and was looking for a vertical ball to come. I think the first time was from Tyler Adams and the pass didn't come and he kind of looped his run back around and started again. There was a ton of space in behind the back line. The run was on, the pass was on and it didn't come. And the second time that it didn't come, he kind of- McKenney the second was, one, yeah. Yeah, he threw his hands up in the air like, look up, you know? Like, yeah, find me, And uh, And I think like those, those moments, maybe a little bit of being a young team. And also like, I get it. I get this, the other side of that mindset of like, you're up one nothing at a World Cup. Like, let's not force things here. We're in control of this game. Mm-hmm. But they had those moments. Yeah. And it's Christian Pulisic making being, a run in behind. Like, you got to find that run. Being a young team, Paul, not just that. I think that's the part of that is, too, a lot of the players not being big, big players at their own clubs. And, and not being in those on-field leadership roles where they take a game by the scruff of the neck. It's something that these guys aren't really used to doing. And I think you kind of saw that materialize a little bit. I don't yeah, want to make too I mean, much of again, that. Again, like the, the, but like when we talk about this World Cup and we talk about these games, I mean, this game, it's about those little margins, right? It's about those little moments of execution. You can decide everything. And, and you have a one nothing lead. It didn't hold up yeah. because of a little moment, right? Where, where Gareth Bale sees the play developing, gets his legs in front of the, ta- of the ball, uh, and and Walker Zimmerman goes through him right, yeah. and and that's it. That changes everything. So I, I don't know. I, again, I, we're we're being critical here of the the fact that they didn't seize those moments. But I think also it's you know what stood out to us was it wasn't as bad in the second half as we thought it was. That there were still moments and opportunities for them to get goals mm-hmm. that they didn't. I thought they they certainly could have made some adjustments defensively in, into what Wales was doing especially, you know, Wales was looking to go direct down the channels. And I thought there were some moments the U.S. could have backed off, tried to win second balls. But when we watched it back, it there was weren't not, that many of it them. It wasn't like it was like this constant, you know, weakness that Wales was exploiting. It no. really wasn't. And it they just, actually, they did a good job of pressing to the point where they couldn't play to more a lot of times when maybe they would look to. So, yeah. so yeah, that, that in particular, I think was the biggest thing that I noticed in the second half that changed my my thinking or my opinion from the initial watch um it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out against england it should be a much much different game yeah well that's the thing it's yeah. going to be different right it's hard to like we were we were watching and trying to take notes on like what do we take away from this game in into england and it's hard to to really take much well, other than the fact that the, the transition the transition are, yeah you it's like what do you say be better, do better. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, but, that's what they're going to be thinking. To like sort of, you know, circle this back around to a big picture discussion that we've been having. Oh God, I don't know how long now, Paul, but this team is a bit limited. They Like they're getting into good spaces in transition. And when they get there, the quality wasn't quite there. And that's kind of the story. These players are talented, they're good, but they're a little bit unrefined and they're not all the way there yet. And that is what at least I've been saying, I think you've been saying it too, in the build up to this tournament, 
um, as as the main reason why, hey, this is going to be a dogfight for this team to get out of Group B, and we're certainly seeing that play out now. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the bigger issues has been kind of production in the final third against yeah. quality opponents, right? Like, that's been an issue. They have the wingers. They have um, midfielders that can that can win balls in midfield and create help create these transition moments. They haven't had a finisher at the number nine, and Josh Sargent worked hard, but, you know, didn't really seize the moment. Didn't I mean, he... he he didn't, get a ton of, to, he didn't get a ton of service. He, yeah, but, you know, they just don't have that guy at that position. Yeah. And so you need your wingers to do it. And I'm sure people are listening to this being and like... And Pulisic and Wea did on the one play. They right. absolutely did it. And For it was, sure. that, like, watching that back, that was a great goal. Like, yeah. on several levels. That finish by Wea, he made it look easy. It was not an easy or simple finish. He did it, took it really well. Pulisic made the whole play. Um, so they did it on the one play. And... If there's one thing that gives me a little bit of, I think, hope heading into England, it's that maybe there will be more opportunities to have plays like that, those quick transition moments where that not even transition, but those vertical moments when they go fast. That's when this team's at their best. And, you know, Wales, they sat back and, and made it difficult. Um, England, it's not going to be like that. Yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this here in the next segment, but I, I think... You know, the other X factor for me, the question, one of the big questions I have going into the game is who plays? And like, you know, I think there, there's one name in particular that, that U.S. fans are going to be wondering about. Who plays for England or who plays for the U.S.? Both. But okay. I guess if, it were, if, if they were talking about both, then it's two names that you're going to be wondering, are they on the <laughs> field or not? Uh, one is one is obviously Harry Kane. Both of them were born in England. And, and yeah, one of them <laughs> is Harry Kane and one of them is Gio Reyna. Yes. Um, Paul, I think that's a pretty good way to take it into the next segment. But before we do that, any final stray thoughts that you want to get out there? No, I mean, again, I, 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 was, I was surprised by the way I felt after watching the game back. I, I, I had a much more pessimistic view of what happened in the second half from the initially, game itself initially yeah. and and coming out of the rewatch i thought okay you know what it wasn't that bad there were the moments were still there and wales wasn't that that dangerous and yep. and um you know certainly wales was much better in the second half than they were in the first they were much more aggressive they 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 i think they took more they, control they actually like tried to get out of their own half they took more control yeah. of the game than they than they did at any point in the first half but overall like one one draw like not a awful not an awful result but i thought still watching it back like it's a disappointing result like, well yeah overall. it's it's funny you feel more positively about the performance which in a way makes you feel worse about the result yeah yeah so i think that's it for me i mean i i thought tim ream was good i thought he was solid uh i thought serginio dest was very disciplined almost too too disciplined i would have maybe liked to see a little bit more from him in the attack but if he's going to err on one side err on the side that he erred for sure. Um, Tim Way is really good at soccer. Also that. The goal was great, but the chance, the, fir- the initial buildup to the sergeant header off the post where Dest played him over the top and he took the ball out of the air, one touch, before it even hits the ground, he rips across into the middle and almost causes an own goal. Incredible play. He's a pretty special talent in his own right. Um, all right, Paul, let's take a break. We'll come back, talk about England. And Harry Kane, he's cringing. Oh, well. Stay with us, Allocation Disorder. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder, Turkey Day World Cup Edition extravaganza. Finished breaking down Wales. Let's spin this thing forward now, Paul. USA plays England on Friday night, 10 p.m. here in Qatar, 2 p.m. on the East Coast, 11 a.m. for those of you out on the West Coast. How's that time zone breakdown? Uh, Going to be a much different game than what we saw against Wales. England, of course, the group favorites. Nothing that happened on the first match day of Group B changed that. England went out and beat Iran 6-2. We didn't get a chance to watch that game in full because we were running around ahead of the U.S. game. We have watched bits and pieces. We've seen all the goals. How much can we really take away from that game, do you think? I mean, not too much. Some of the goals, I mean, the defending was so poor from Iran on some of those goals that you hope that the U.S. would not have those same problems, that they are able to close It would be down. strange if they did, if they um, just decided to, hey, Bukayo Saka, here's a yard in the box. Just have that for like six seconds. Then, then go ahead and shoot. That's fine. I don't think the U.S. will do that. Yeah, I mean, I, what, what, it struck, what struck me is that the quality of, of England's players is exactly what we thought it was. Like, they're, they're very, very, very good players. And okay, if Danny you, Green. If you give them space, they're going to beat, they're going if to you, beat let, you. If you let them off the hook? Yeah, I mean, I think back, Sam, we, I mean, I'm, I, I'm thinking a lot of Wales because we just watched the game again. But there are a few moments in the second half where Wales was – you know, taking advantage of the space that was opening up in the game. It was, you know, back and forth, especially after the goal. Yeah. And after the equalizer. There were, there were a couple of times where it was 1v1 in space. Serginio Dest at one point uh, made a play. Tyler Adams recovered after Dest made the tackle. Uh, you know, there was another moment where, where Tim Ream was in space one-on-one. Um, like, you don't want to get into those situations no. too often against England. It's a little bit different, you know, quality level there. Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, I don't want to see Raheem Sterling or Saka going one-on-one at, at U.S. fullbacks. You just don't want that to happen. If you do see that happening, it's, 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 a, it's a situation it's that a makes scarier. England happy. Yeah. It makes England happy. So I, I think the U.S. is just going to have to be a little bit more disciplined defensively in those transition moments. The midfielders are going to have to be very aware of their spacing. I think we're going to be talking a lot more after the England game about how the midfield played defensively than we, yeah. than we are right now post-Wales. Because um, they weren't and, asked to do that much. Right. Yeah. And, and in this game, they're going to be asked to do a lot. It's going to be a much different challenge for this U.S. team. They're not going to have the ball as much, certainly not as much as they did in the first half when they were up above 66% <laughs> possession. I think at a certain point they had like 78% or yeah, something like that. It was, it was insane. Um, and so I, I just think, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be kind of a difficult transition game to game here because – I don't know stylistically wildly different. Yeah. I don't know how much you can take away from your own performance against Wales that you, that will apply here other than like you need to be more ruthless when you're, when you have these moments in transition, because they're going to, they're going to be fewer than, than you got against Wales. And you're going to have to be very, very disciplined defensively. Yep. And it's unclear as of now, if Kane England striker golden boot winner at the 2018 world cup will be available. He picked up an ankle injury. They did some medical scans by the time you're listening to this podcast, those scans might be out and we might have a clearer idea, but right now we're unsure whether or not he's going to be able to start or even play on Friday nights. If he can't go, probably Marcus Rashford 
coming in at number nine? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's pretty much down to Callum Wilson or Marcus Rashford. I think it would be Rashford. Um, either way, it's a different look. We'll see. I mean, Harry Kane took part in some regen sessions. He stayed in the game after he hurt his ankle, but he's had issues with his ankle before. He's, you know, I think they're going to be caught. I mean, it's Harry Kane, and England is thinking big picture here. They're not thinking just about this USA game. This is a team that really believes they can win a World Cup. Right. So they, they have to approach any injury in that way. And, and so, you know, look, if, if Harry Kane's not on the field, England – that's not a good thing for England. It's a let's not like, no. let's not go out of control here and be like, oh, like this this is a you know a positive for the U.S. Like yeah, it's a positive for the U.S. marginally, right? Like they're they're going to get a little bit worse. But Marcus Rashford presents a whole different set of issues, uh-huh. especially with the the U.S. center back pairing, the one that started against Wales. Okay. These are yeah. these are world class players. Yeah. I mean, Marcus Rashford is really really good <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's like i don't want to talk about this like it's like a game changer i think the difference is the you know harry kane you can maybe just add one more really right yeah. right I, and i think also harry kane i think marcus rashford looks to get in behind the back line a little bit more often than harry kane does mm-hmm. and so it presents that challenge against two center backs who i would say like you don't want they're not the fastest in the world yeah you don't want those those foot races right and i think yeah. you'll have more of those pot- potential races against rashford which is not good yeah. but harry kane is still harry kane so um this is what this is you know this is what we're talking about with with playing england at a world cup i mean just really 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 good soccer players up and down the starting lineup and coming off the bench um you, it doesn't get better for you you know jude bellingham Oh, really impressive in the Iran. Such a wonderful player. I mean, look at, I mean, like, again, we're talking about these things. It's like Phil Foden and Jack Grealish coming off the bench. Yeah, there's more. And Rashford. There's more pace on the bench now coming off. If if Harry Kane's not playing. Yeah, you're bringing more pace onto the field. They could they could do the same thing at the winger spot. Yeah. I mean, they can bring pace from any angle they want at any time um, with guys like even Harry Maguire was good the other day. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, I just think <laughs> what? No. We're not we're not I'm not opening up opportunities for you to to go into Harry Maguire. I uh, love Harry Maguire. Um I, I, I just think it's it's gonna be interesting that because the conversation obviously and, and de- deservedly so will be around Harry Kane's availability. But I don't I look at it and I'm like, man, I I'm a huge fan of Marcus Rashford as a player and I think he presents different problems and more problems maybe matchup wise for the u.s um yeah but the biggest thing is that kane is better in the box he's yeah. a better finisher yeah. and, and he's gonna bury nine out of ten and yeah. rashford might do seven that's the thing is like i yeah. can't really say it's better or worse for the u.s right it's it's yeah. like it's different maybe but it's yeah. in terms of the style you mentioned the midfield and, and they're gonna be asked to do a lot more defensively than they were against wales that's certainly true i think Yunus musa needs to be a lot better than he was against Wales in, in a few different ways. Um, but again, talking about that verticality, and I think there's going to be opportunities there against England in that way. Are there any comps you can think of for this team or a game that they've played in the past? Obviously, the level of talent will be a lot different than anything they saw in qualifying. But even just in terms of how the midfield 
looked winning a lot of duels potentially looking to break forward quickly is there anything you would draw a comparison to I mean I don't think so because this isn't even like if you if you think about what this team has faced they they really haven't had these types of tests I mean the best tests with this U.S. group recently has been the games against Mexico. Mm-hmm. And those games do open up and they do create moments where the midfield has to win balls and get vertical. Nations quickly. League final in particular, but that was but a year and a half the ago quality, now. The difference between England and oh Mexico is substantial, Huge. especially in the final third. I mean, like, think about the names we, we saw just it. mentioned. We saw it last night, Paul, at yeah. the game yeah. for Mexico Poland. I mean, it's, 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 you take Chucky. But then now add quality finishers in the in the box. Yeah, right? and midfielders who actually arrive into the box. Right. So, I mean, again, you think about the pace on the outside with guys like whether it's Foden or whether it's Saka or whether it's Grealish or whether it's Rashford or, you know, yeah. keep going down the list. I mean, they're Sterling. Gonna, yeah. Sterling. They're going to be getting in behind the back line constantly. They're going to be looking to, to play those balls in behind the back line constantly. Mm-hmm. And then if you're... If you have Harry Kane in the middle of the box that can finish, or if you've got Rashford, I mean, it's just like world-class levels. Yeah, This is a totally different challenge than what this U.S. team has faced. I think you hope that they lean a little bit on their club experiences here because, yeah. you know, Anthony Robinson played they against have, they Arsenal. Have faced they faced these guys. I they have to faced these it. guys. He, he knows who he's going to come up against. Yeah. Tim Ream plays same in the thing. Premier League. Dest has played against a lot of these guys in Champions League. Right. And same, and you go down the list in midfield too. McKenney has played Champions League. Adams plays in the Premier League. Yeah, Christian and has Pulisic played Champions obviously. League. Yunus Musa maybe not as much, but he plays in La Liga. He's not going to be overawed with these guys. He grew up playing with some right. of them. Exactly. So that's that's where I think you hope that this U.S. team draws from. I actually, like, in a very weird way, feel almost a little bit better about this game for the U.S. than I did about the opener. Just because I think the U.S., this U.S. team in particular, and the U.S. teams historically usually play well when they're an underdog. They will be in this game. That chip on the shoulder will develop. And I think, you know, they're not good when they're dominant with the ball. They struggle to break teams down in possession. We saw that against Wales. We've seen it a million times in the past. They're good in transition. They're good in midfield and winning duels. England will be hugely challenging in a million different ways. It's not going to be Mexico dos Acero in Cincinnati when the U.S. dominated physically in midfield. It's not that kind of midfield. It's not Ache Ache or Andres Guardado in there. It's Rice and Bellingham and Mason Mount or maybe some other guys that, that didn't play against Iran who are just as talented and just as athletic. So it's going to be a different kind of challenge, but I think the style of game is one that's a little bit suited for the U.S. That being said, England has all that skill, and if the U.S. is going to get a result, it's going to require a Herculean effort and really good performances from basically everybody on the field yeah i i think going into this tournament i felt the same way you just talked about like that the style of game against england would suit this u.s team better and that you know that could play into their hands in this game and maybe it will but when when you sit down like but we england are now, can play that same style and they're more talented. well that's the thing is like yeah. when you when you when you sit down and you start analyzing this england team you start thinking about the game the players that they're matched up against you start to realize just how good England is talent wise. Yeah. And the quality of their options in the final third. I mean, again, the conversation was like Harry Kane's out and let's talk about the options here. And let's 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 say that you're starting Saka. That means oh, <laughs> that means Phil Foden's on the bench. Oh, 
Jack Grealish came I mean, off the we bench. did an exercise, Paul. If you could combine the U.S. and England and pick a starting 11, what would it look like? And we both picked 11 England players. Yeah, I mean, because realistically, that's, that's just the reality here. And even like with someone like Christian Pulisic, think about where he falls on the depth chart of the winger spot for England. It's very similar to the Chelsea situation, right? Where you're, where it's like, okay, like, is he gonna? Does he start over Sterling? No, he doesn't. And he then might you, not even you, make the team. You go for over England. that that roster, right? So it's Foden, it, right? Grealish, <laughs> Sterling, Saka, Rashford, Saka. Is Pulisic gonna make the team? Maybe. It's coach's preference, though. He ain't gonna be starting. Yeah. So I mean, that that to me, it just it comes down to one of these games where you're on a you're at a World Cup. You're on a massive stage. You've got these young players who I think tend also Man, to elevate I'm, I'm on these so, bigger stages. Paul, I'm so fired up right now. Man, England, USA, this is it. This is it. This is like the biggest kind of game for American soccer possible. World Cup, Black Friday, incredible opportunity. I feel like I could run through a wall and we're just sitting here at a kitchen table talking about the game. I cannot even imagine how the players feel. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We just focused a lot on England. We're going to flip it, focus on the U.S., maybe talk about some lineups potentially, and, uh, yeah, take you into the match. Stay with us. Allocation Disorder. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. Whoa, who's that? I know. I'm doing something beyond just answering questions and, and uh, you know, being the lazy guy on the podcast. I usually let you do all the work. Um, <laughs> well, maybe you're better at answering questions than I am. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'm just worse at asking the questions. I think that's probably more. Hey, we've we got to play to each other's strengths, man. <laughs> yeah. Our team. All right, Sam. We've talked a lot about England. We talked about the Wales game. That's a pretty good way to set it up of what the heck does the U.S. do to get a result in this game. And I think yeah. the best place to start is do you make changes to the starting 11 that, that we saw against Wales? What do you do if you're Greg Berhalter? for this England game? I don't think I do. I think I go with the same 11. I'm not going to start Gio Reyna, certainly. I think he's an option off the bench. I'm not convinced he's totally healthy. You know, obviously he said he was available. He's ready to go, feeling good. Uh, wouldn't be the first time a player, you know, says he's all good um, and isn't quite telling the whole truth. Uh, so who knows what his availability will look like. I think he's more of an option if you need a goal in the second half, the final 20, 30 minutes. So I keep the front three the same, keep the back four the same. I thought they were solid the other night. Definitely want Anthony Robinson in there. Dest, again, we talked about it, really disciplined, and that gave me a lot of faith in him moving forward. Um, center backs were good. I don't change that at all. Like No, no hesitation with Walker Zimmerman after giving up the penalty? Nah, I thought he was fine. And, and yeah, that, that mistake outweighs 99% of all of the other things he did. That's the curse of being a center back. You can play great for 89 minutes and 59 seconds, but if you make one error, that's what everybody remembers, opposite of being a striker, right? And, and, and that happened with Zimmerman the other night, and it was an error. But what would you rather play Aaron Long or Cameron Carter-Vickers? I wouldn't. No, I stick with Zimmerman. I stick with Turner and goal. The only real question for me, and it's not really much of one, is midfields. Do you maybe insert Brendan Aronson as one of the eights? And I don't think you do. I think you want um, somebody in there that's a little bit heavier, <laughs> like literally. <laughs> um, and and it, I think it's going to be physical battle in there, and the U.S. is going to kind of have to be really tough and hard in the tackle. And Aronson 
is tenacious and he's got that mentality, but he's not as strong as Musa or McKenney, and that hurts him in duels. And I think for that reason, I think you start those two that you started the other night, bring Aronson in off the bench uh, as maybe as, uh, some help in an attacking way. I also think set pieces are going to be really important. England were pretty good at those against Iran. Harry Maguire is a huge target. You need some help back there, particularly if you're doing Zimmerman and Ream instead of Zimmerman and Long, and McKenney can do that. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I have the, the questions I have about this team, hopefully we can get some answers tonight at training. The U.S. train, are, they're training in the evenings a lot of times to get ready for these 10 p.m. kickoffs. Um, so we haven't seen them yet today, but um, there were a lot of guys cramping up. It was hot. It's going to continue to be hot. They're training in the heat. They're playing in the heat. Um, Eunice Musa was cramping. It's the World, your it's the world Cup, man. Weston McKenney was cramping. These guys cramping. are young. Um, Weston McKenney was not before he was cramping. He was holding his quad, which was the injury that he had with Juve. So I want to kind of get an idea of where they might be um, physically. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Weston is a little bit more limited considering the fact that it seemed like the area that he – was feeling it is the same area that he came in with an injury. Yeah. So maybe we do that, see that Brendan Aronson. Um, I also could see Brendan Aronson getting a start at, at winger in this game. If you if you're thinking over way, yeah. If you think you're going to be in a little bit more of a defensive posture in this game, and you're going to be okay. relying on counter pressing and pressing to create and, goals, and Wea is your solution later in the match. Yeah, I mean that 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 could be a change I, I see happening. I agree about Gio Reyna. I'm not sure quite what to make of it. Look, it's a World Cup. You also have to be cautious with guys who have extensive injury histories. At the time in the game that they were looking to bring Gio Reyna in or could have been, it, it I, I still felt watching it tonight, it was as open as the game had been all day. It was a track It was back and yeah. forth. And, and so with a guy who's got hamstring, a history of hamstring problems, is that where you're throwing him in? Where I think it's constant I st- sprints up and down I mean, the field? obviously we don't have the same data. We don't have the same knowledge uh, from a medical perspective of where Gio is at and where he has been and what he can handle. But I think I still would have brought him in in that moment, personally. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I look, I, I was surprised that Jordan Morris played. I thought that – I go back to the roster selection. I thought Paul Ariola was the, the choice I would have gone with over <laughs> Here over we are, Jordan Paul. We, the the, whole, right, build, right. the right. whole build up to the World's Cup, we were like – we were like, ah, it doesn't matter that much. It's the 25th, 26 guys. They're not even going to play. Uh, I guess that's a lesson for us. It, every, every choice It's also, counts. it's like, this is a good example of like my inability to focus on the moment. Like USA, England, and I'm here talking about Paul Ariola not being on the yeah. roster. He's not on the roster. Okay. So <laughs> what changes do I make for the lineup? I could see Brendan Aronson getting a start. I'm, I'm, I really wanted to get an idea of what's going on with Weston McKenney. Is he fit? Are they going to be more cautious? I mean, he came into this game where we were talking about him what's his role going to be is he fit is he ready to play yeah does he have limits and we saw him kind of holding or grabbing at that area that but that, with weston you never know how much is real and how much is like a sure. little bit of a drama Again, that's a big question mark for me <laughs> yeah. so when i but that that has a huge influence if it's a very Aaron's expressive there, guy um i i could see that i also could see Gio Rana starting this game i i, I could see Giorena starting this that would be game. fun you you have to rotate players you have to try to keep guys fresh I I think that you know you pick and choose your moments I said this the other night on the podcast Giorena had talked about it the fact that he was only now just beginning to play back-to-back games maybe they were just being cautious overly cautious however you want to look at it 
I think Giorena could start this game. But it's hard sometimes to pull a guy like Tim Weah, who scored the goal, created a couple good moments, uh, and then put him on the bench. So, right you, after so that. you would start Gio and Christian, or you're in this scenario. Not you would, but you're saying that that saying may I, happen. I, I could see that happening, but I don't think it will. It comes to the problem. I mean, it, it comes to this it's a idea shape of thing. Like, how do you want your team to set up, and and do you want guys who are going to be able to? take the ball under pressure and, and still be able to create something. And I, think, and I think that that's one way that you should be thinking about this game. You're going to have limit, fewer opportunities. You're going to have higher quality opponents. I think you want guys who are as good on the ball as possible to try to help you keep it when you can keep it. And that is what Geo does. Okay. I mean, he doesn't do a ton of defending usually. That's so that's that's part of it too. We talked about the verticality element. If you take Wea off, you yeah, lose I'm that all over almost the place, aren't I? almost yeah, I think you have to start Wea, who I thought was quite good against Wales. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm all over the place. I'm I like think Reyna Aaronson as a defensive yeah. mindset and then I go like, oh, yeah, they're make up your Gio. mind. Yeah, man. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm clearly like it's I think, I'm Gio Reyna's one of the best players technically on the team. He is a certain style of player, to your point. You know, when you're talking about it, it makes about his, more sense for him against Wales and Iran. I mean, my opinion. Sure. Iran, maybe. I mean, Wales, I, I thought that they made the right choices in, in kind Giorino of. Giorino would have been useful in the first half against Wales. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Like that's against true. an opponent. When you have that's 78% deep. possession. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But Tim Weah started and scored a goal. So what are we going to do? No, I'm not saying you take off Tim Weah. You know what I think would be fun? Gio Reyna and Tim Weah starting on the wing. How about that? Nothing for me? No, Paul's you just, know, I just... Paul's just smiling I let you, I let you work your way there. This is an audio medium, Paul. Not yeah, sure if you're aware. All right. Well, you know, you, what do you, I don't know if you're starting Christian Pulisic as the number nine or if he's just off the field completely, but... Well, maybe he, Tim Weah should be the number he nine. He set up the goal, too. Let's not forget that. We're living in a fantasy land right now. Um, I do want to go back a little bit. Just reset the table what the u.s needs one point through one game tied with wales iran way in the bottom after a 6-2 loss england way ahead after a 6-2 win just to reiterate how important this all is let's say wales beats iran let's say the u.s loses to england you go into that finale next tuesday wales playing england u.s playing iran england would be through in that scenario six points wales would have four u.s would have one Iran would have zero. U.S. would need to win and have England, who, again, already advanced in this scenario, beat Wales and make up whatever goal difference disadvantage there is. Yellow cards, another thing to look at. U.S. has four heading into this game. Who was it? Serginho Dest, Weston McKenney, Kellen Acosta, and Tim Ream. Um, so those guys in peril of suspension if they pick up another. That's something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, man, I, I got to say, though, Paul, we're still a full 58 hours away from kickoff. I'm, like, going to be through the roof for this game on Friday night. Like, it starts at 10 p.m. local time. There's going to be no issues with me being tired at 4 or 5 in the morning when we're writing and podcasting post-game. <laughs> this is an incredible opportunity. I could not be more excited to go see this match. Yeah, I mean, this is what it's all about. And and I think, 
you know, again, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I keep falling back on this idea that I feel like this, this young team plays best in these moments where yeah. the, the stage is the biggest. And I thought there were mom- there were some, some times where you saw that against Wales, some times where it didn't happen. Like I thought Eunice Musa struggled a little bit. Um, Weston McKinney wasn't at his best. But I, I just think that, like, in these games where they feel like they but have the something sta- to the, prove. The stage is huge yes. in the World Cup. It's almost incomparable to me between Wales and England. Yeah, for Almost sure. incomparable. It's a, to- it's a different type of stage, right? You're pr- it's like a chance to prove yourself. Yeah. And, and so I, I just have, I, have, I have a good feeling about that in the first five minutes of the game. And then we'll see what happens from there. <laughs> <laughs> the U.S., of course, did concede in the first five minutes last time they played England in the World Cup. Fought back, 1-1 draw. Shout out to Rob Green. Sorry, Rob Green. That was kind of mean. Uh, Paul, I don't know if you have anything else to add. I think I'm about done. Everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. We put this podcast out way early so that you can enjoy it while you're traveling to and from family and friends. Uh, so please enjoy the holiday. We're going to be here in, in, in Qatar having Thanksgiving with Don Garber. I'm not kidding. <laughs> for those of you who are allocation disorder fans, uh, you know, We'll, we'll certainly ask if he uh, listens to the podcast. And yeah, it's not going to be an intimate sort of de- deal where it's it's me, Paul, Don, and I don't know, Greg Berhalter. Um, it's going to be, I think, 200 people or 100 people or something yeah. at this dinner on Thursday that MLS and U.S. Soccer are hosting for journalists like, like you and I and executives and some sponsors, I would imagine, and who knows, other VIPs. So that'll be fun. That's what we're doing for Thanksgiving. You guys enjoy your families. Enjoy the World Cup. Man. It's here. World Cup and some leftover turkey sandwiches Ugh. and pumpkin pie. Let's go. That's the dream, man. That's how I grew up. Watching the World Cup and eating gravy. Just straight into my throat. Just much weirder in the summertime. But thanks for that. All right. This has been Allocation Disorder. Brought to you by Leftover Congealed Gravy. Thanks for listening.